Hey friends. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? All right. So no cards today. I am just doing a personal share and I thought that I would bring, bring it to YouTube as well. So there's going to be a video. Obviously, if you're on YouTube, you're seeing this. If you're just listening on my podcast, but if you want to see my face, head over to my YouTube channel. And no matter where you're finding me, please like, comment, and subscribe. It helps me so much. And I really appreciate the support. All right. So the topic of today, as you can see, is about how to manage being misunderstood. I feel like it's the perfect time to share this because I'm going through this myself. And no matter what we do in life, we're going to be misunderstood at some point. It sucks. You know, it doesn't feel good. I'm going to put on some chapstick. It sucks. It doesn't feel good. But how do we navigate this space so that we don't take it so personally? You know, in the past, I was this person who would freak out when I was misunderstood and I would feel like I had to overcompensate and like prove myself and like put myself in a situation to show that I could be understood or I would, you know, force an opinion so that that way people would be able to agree with me and I would then be quote unquote understood again. And this was like in my teens and early twenties. And I felt a lot like I had to fight to be understood, not always, but when misunderstandings came up, it was really, really triggering for me. And it was really difficult for me to come back into my sense of self in a healthy way, you know, into my center, so to speak. And so here's what's triggering me. Let me be clear about what I'm going through and how I navigated it and am navigating it. And then what you can do as well. So I hope that this is supportive. I've got my script up. So <laughs> I'll be looking over here for those of you seeing me on camera. So what triggered the situation? Uh, after I graduated with my master's in social work, I graduated in 2017 and I decided to pursue my own business, which is what you see here today. It's where you see me online, my website, everything I do is that from my own company, right? And it was so nerve wracking. And I, I moved through big feelings of doubt. And also I was comparing myself. So all of this will circle into what is going on, <laughs> but I have to go a little bit back here. The doubt came from looking at all of my classmates. I won't say all of them, like 95% of them, 95% of them graduating and going into these settings that were exactly like what they wanted right? We all got our master's in social work at the same time. So they were going into these clinical settings. They were going into these social work settings. And here I am, you know, deciding to go into tarot reading on my own and bringing this tool with my psychology background to people, as opposed to when you work at a, when you work in a clinical setting, People, they're, they're given to you. you. You literally walk in and get a caseload of people. So this is me having to show up for myself and like hope I get people, you know what I mean? And that's why like when I get a client, I am so thrilled, so, so, so thrilled. <laughs> you have no idea. So, so this is where I started, you know? And so 
this old supervisor that I had worked with when I was in my settings in school, you have to do practicums, which are, you know, on the ground, hours in, under supervision, doing therapy. So one of my supervisors reached out to me very recently as of what's this month, August. So as of July, 2022, and it was like, Hey, would I haven't talked to you in a while, but I hope you're doing well. My company is hiring. I immediately thought of you. I'm reaching out. So I'd love your resume and like, give it to me so I can give it to my supervisor. And I was, I was really excited. And then we got into this conversation about what's, what, what have I been doing? (laughs) What have you been doing since you graduated? And immediately you guys immediately, I was just like, so I knew it was a trigger because I felt like I was shrinking. I felt a little uneasy, not confident, which is like not my vibe. You guys know I'm a pretty confident person. So the second I start to tap into something else, I'm like, this isn't it. (laughs) But it's good to know that because it tells me what I need to work on. And it tells me that I have some insecurities like everybody, right? And it also tells me that there's some tending to this place that I need to do because I'm really extra sensitive around it. And so as we were in conversation, me and my supervisor, I was telling her like, this is what I do. I use a Jungian perspective. Of course, I use cognitive behavioral therapy, trauma-informed with all of my clients. I couple it with the tarot. Now, this particular supervisor had actually seen me use tarot cards with my clients. So she knew what I was doing and she knows what I have been doing in a sense, not always keeping up to date. But when it came to the description for my business and everything that I've been doing since I graduated, we went back and forth a little bit to determine what's going to be the most, how can I say this? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I guess it's like the least confusing thing you could say. (laughs) Because when you're talking to people in academia, when you're talking to people with really heavy psychological backgrounds, and nothing is wrong with this at all. Of course, it's where I came from and I love it dearly. But when you're talking to them about spirituality and you're talking to them about these, these tools, and I think it's interesting sidebar that they're considered new age tools when tarot has been around for a really, really long time, like centuries. So when you're using these spiritual tools <laughs> and in a clinical setting it definitely gets some eyebrows raised and some eye rolling like for sure and i know this for a fact because i've been in the room as an academic when people have brought up spirituality and the intersection of psychology and spirituality like there's a lot of people out there that are like this is bs i don't believe in it it's it's pseudoscience and I understand their perspective. I really do. I know that I'm in the helping business when I read tarot cards. I'm not predicting the future. I'm not saying your soulmate's going to come in in two years. Like I'm not that type of reader. I am a reader that helps you explore yourself. And tarot is a really wonderful tool. I will stand by that. <laughs> like it's probably a hill I'm going to die on. So or notice how even in my speech, it's this, I have to prove it, right? Like it's, I am clinging to it. And I don't think there's a problem because I'm really passionate about it, but I had to navigate this space of like, well, I can't prove anything to anybody, right? All I can do is put my information on my resume and like call it a day. And 
do my best to describe what I'm doing in a more clinical way, as opposed to this way that I feel like caters to the spiritual community. And what I mean by the spiritual community is using these words like, like love and light and your inner transformation and your spiritual healing. There's definitely language that the spiritual community has locked down. And if you take a listen to it, you'll hear buzzwords within that community. Now, to be fair, there are buzzwords in the psychology community as well. And that's exactly who I want to my audience to be, right? So I shifted that on the resume. But I noticed within myself that I was feeling, again, a little bit like, uh, what if I'm not chosen because of what I've decided to do for myself over the last years? What if they look at this and they think I'm a scam artist? What if they look at this and think that I'm wrong? What if they look at this and think that this is an abuse of power, like abuse of my clinical social work experience, you know, and all of this really came up and I was like, whoa, I need to journal this out. So I want to first talk about the effects of the opportunity, right? So the impact that the opportunity had on me, I felt really excited that my supervisor, my old supervisor thought of me, reached out and was like, you're an amazing clinician. I want you on my team. So like here we're, we're hiring. I want you in. That made me feel really good. That was a really exciting feeling to me. And then I was really grateful at the same time that like I was even considered because my supervisor had many other people that she worked with and I wasn't her first wave of social work students that she supervised. So again, that reaching out felt really confirmational for me. It felt really good to be recognized, especially amongst peers. Like it's always a good feeling. And then it prompted me to imagine like what else was possible? Like, can I still hold on to my business? And can I still, could I also, yeah, could I also step into the role as a clinician? And what might that look like? How could I, maybe this is the best of both worlds. Like what is this possible? Right? So my mind really opened up to considering new opportunities, new horizons, all of this information. And I was just like really excited. And I also know myself well enough to where I'm like, I got to bring this to the ground. Um, you know, I need to remember that this can feel really heady to me, this excitement and this, this, what if, what if, what if, and I just need to breathe, you know, cause nothing's really happening right now. It's, uh, you know, it's all just floating <laughs> out of my control. It's sort of orbiting me, so to speak. So how did it trigger me? Okay. So remember, I mentioned that I was a little doubtful and I felt uh, this, this not good enough part of me really rearing its head. And of course I know that I'm good enough. So I know that this part of me is a part of me that needs my attention and my support because this part of me that feels not good enough deserves to feel good enough. And there's this integration of the shadow, right? I talk about this often on my channel and with my work with clients, I never look at these parts of me as if there's anything wrong. These are all totally fine. You know, when this part's feeling isolated, again, this part of me that's triggered, that feels really small, that feels a little insecure and not good enough. 
that's a signal. That's a signal that my, my, the part of me that does feel good enough is it's like needs to hug it basically, you know, it needs to pull it in and say, Whoa, you are active right now. And so the action steps that I took to support myself were a lot of journaling. I wrote pages and pages and pages and pages of like, what if, right? Like, what if I get it? And what if I can't do the business, my business? What if I get it and it's, and I don't know what I'm doing? <laughs> what if I get it and like everything turns out great and I'm, I'm supporting even more people. What if I get it and things start to align in even crazier ways than I've imagined so far. What if I don't get it? What if people look at my resume and they're like, this is ridiculous. And they throw it in the trash. What if, and here's the thing I've learned about my life and also things I've seen. Reality typically is somewhere in the middle. You know, are there some people who might look at my resume and be like, this is weird. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Are there also people who will look at my resume and be like, whoa, she really like went off on a limb here, which isn't a bad thing. She's an entrepreneur. She has this creative spirit. She did her best. Like, yeah, that's also possible. So truth is somewhere in the center. Reality is somewhere in the middle. And then <clears throat> there's no control over whether I get the position or not. There's only showing up and doing my best. And that's simply it. So I went on a lot of long walks to help move this energy through me, this energy of feeling really small, this energy of feeling like I basically should like, how, let me, let me just close my eyes for a minute and feel into that. Yeah. The energy that was in me <clears throat> was like this feeling like I needed to prove myself. It was coming, but it was coming from the feeling of inadequacy, that not good enough. And so that was really activated. And I, and I kept walking like, just to keep it moving and not because I didn't want it to get stuck in my body. <clears throat> I really wanted it to have the release that it was asking for. And I also shared with my community what was going on. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram, I had done a shout out and you know what? There was so much love and encouraging feedback. I also messaged some friends and family who I know to be supportive and their feedback was really nice as well. Very grounding. So that was helpful. And thank you so much. If you were one of the people who responded to my Instagram with love, I'm just really grateful for you. So I also reinforced to myself. So my inner narrative consisted of reminding myself that I didn't have to be understood by everybody. There's 8 billion people on the planet. Of course, not everybody is going to understand me. And if people actually don't take the time to know me and they make a quick judgment, that has more to do with them than with me, right? So I just needed to remind myself that it's okay to be misunderstood and I know myself and this is, and I'm getting to know myself. I'm continuing to get to know myself and I'm not perfect, you know? So like, of course, these things are going to happen. These are bound to happen. This is just life. It's not even personal. It feels deeply personal to me, but this experience that I'm in is playing out millions of ways today. You know what I mean? So it's like, why am I in my head about it so much? So, but I just needed to, again, reinforce the part of me that says you can be okay 
even in the midst of being misunderstood or I'm perceiving that I will be misunderstood if I'm super real with myself, right? So I came out okay also in previous instances of being misunderstood. And I looked at the world that I've created around me and been like, you know what? It's okay. I'm all right. This might not be the most fun experience and definitely opening myself up to the criticism of other people is vulnerable. So let me label that as well. Let me acknowledge that that's part of what I'm feeling is vulnerable. So this also brought me to creating some different changes on my website. There are some things that I actually found were really good in the changing of my resume. And I was like, Ooh, this is really nice. I actually want to like update my, <laughs> update my website. So I changed some of the front on the website, which is great. I mean, I think that these little cosmetic changes, they do make a big difference. And it is true that I am, because I'm the face of my business, I want to represent myself as best as possible. Again, at the end of the day, if people choose to not like me, okay, you know, <clears throat> but I think that there's a way to do it um, as best as possible, I guess. And it's a learning process, like I said. So let's see. Oh, and then I, yeah, of course, I was like, here's the deal. My self-worth isn't determined by being, being understood or misunderstood. It's actually neither of these. See, the part of my perception was like, if I'm understood, if I'm validated, then my self-worth can remain high. No, that's actually not true. Nor is it true that because I am in disagreeing myself or because there's a misunderstanding, my self-worth should dip. What if my self-worth just was totally independent of either of these situations? This was something I had to consider. And this was something I chose to step into and am still stepping into because I actually heard from my supervisor today and they do, it looks like they want to interview me, which is really cool. There's a couple of changes I had to make to the registration I have. So I needed to re-register with the Board of Behavioral Sciences as an associate social worker, which the acronym for that is ASW. And the BBS is the Board of Behavioral Sciences. So moving forward, if you hear me use those acronyms, that's what they stand for. So I needed to update those things. And again, navigating the resurgence, is that the right word? Maybe not, correct me if I'm wrong, but the resurgence of those feelings, the ones of like, oh, you're, you're making some moves. <laughs> you're stepping forward. This means you could be closer to the interview process, which means you actually have to talk about what you've been doing, which means you have to really represent yourself as best as you can with the, the max confidence that you can come into the situation with. And it's like, <sighs> which actually feels at this point a lot more exciting to me um, than scary. But it, there's definitely some like, oh God, you know what I mean? Some like confronting feelings. So what I want to encourage you to do, if you find yourself here, because this is my process, your process is different for navigating feelings of misunderstood. But what I will say is the first step is to 
seek to better understand yourself and your and your and your needs in moments of being triggered. The fact is we're all going to be misunderstood at some point. And again, I was validating the whole time like this sucks, this potential being misunderstood. And I also feel like it's the judgment of other people. Because again, I know that let's say this goes forward. Let's say I do get hired. Let's say I talk about what I do. I've been in the room when people have talked shit about the intersection of spirituality and academia and psychology. Now, that's a person's opinion. It's not a fact. And people have strong opinions. I would know I have strong opinions. You heard mine at the top of this episode, which is that I am going to die on this hill of like believing that tarot is a tool for self-development. So the clashing, right? And that's okay. What if multiple realities could exist? What if multiple beliefs can exist in one room? What you need to do is, defi- is identify what you what it is that you're your soul needs in that moment, what it is that the inner part of you, your inner world is asking based on being misunderstood. And again, if you're anything like me, you might feel this pull to overcompensate. You might feel this pull to, oh, I got to tell them this and I got to prove, I got to show up harder. I got to change everything about myself to fit in. All of that is the brain It's a story from the mind. Okay, let's identify that, right? And write out those stories. This is part of your second step is write out those stories. When you put it on paper, you will see that some of those things are part of your primal brain. We all have it. Everybody's got those stories to a variety of degrees. Okay, so first of all, you're normal. (laughs) Second of all, confront the stories. Those don't have to be true. You don't have to change anything about yourself in order to be accepted and understood. You have to understand yourself, at least be on the journey to understanding yourself. Okay. And when you choose to reflect and you choose to say, "Mm, there's some triggers happening. There are parts of me that are activated. I'm curious about that. You begin to understand yourself. It's that leaning in with curiosity that is extremely transforming. So The other thing here is go to people who can reinforce your self-worth. Who do you lean on when you're having a hard time? If you don't have anybody in your corner, y'all gotta have people in your corner. Now is a good opportunity to maybe seek those people out to begin building those relationships where people can have high self-talk. Normalize high self-talk. Normalize people speaking highly of you. And I don't mean that people are like blowing smoke up your ass and like kissing it and being like, you're so perfect. You're so wonderful. You're so amazing. Like, cause that's not healthy. But what I do mean is when you have a little bit of insecurity, there's like, oh girl, you're tripping right now. And here's how I know, because I have seen you grow over the last few years, because since I've met you, these are the things that you continuously reinforce in my life and you make it better. If you don't have people speaking to you like that, you need people speaking to you like that. And so go to those people. What I told you I did was (laughs) leaned on people. And I was like, y'all, I'm feeling some type of way. And I got 
a little bit of a reminder. And that's what I feel like people do, right? They can help, they can remind you of who you are. And sometimes we forget because we're tripping off on some other stuff in our mind. And that's like normal. <laughs> so, so we just need a little help, right? And we deserve that help, but we won't get it if we don't ask for it. We won't get it if we don't set ourselves up to receive. All right. So third thing or fourth thing. Yeah. As I mentioned, Part of your inner narrative has to be, oh yeah, there's 8 billion people and counting and counting. Is it possible that I could make 8 billion people happy? Absolutely not. <laughs> not everybody's going to understand. Not everybody's going to agree. Not every time that I say something, I'm going to get it right. But can I navigate misunderstanding? Sure, of course I can. I can learn how to do that better. I can learn how to do it better with other people as they're actively in front of me. And I can also learn how to be kind and compassionate with myself when I realize that there has been a misunderstanding, right? So acknowledge the part of you that wants to be understood. Again, this is the ego because a long, long, long time ago, if we were misunderstood, what we risked were was yeah, what we risked was annihilation. What we risked was being outcast from the group. And when we were outcast from the group, we were separate from our resources, from the things that we needed to survive. So this part of us, again, that might feel really strong. What if it what if it was just this primal response that we felt viscerally and that's just what it was? You know, what if it really didn't have anything, not anything, but what if it wasn't as heavy as we think it is, as we first might attribute meaning to? Because when we can recognize that these are primal feelings, they go, that's exactly what I mean is they're ancient. They're locked inside of us. They, they create a swirling sensation they kick in cortisol, adrenaline. That's an intense thing. And a combination of that and not recognizing that that's what ha what's happening, we could really spin out on all these stories about how everything is wrong. We need to be understood and we're going to lose this and lose that. And I think sometimes when we do face larger threats within misunderstanding, it, it feels really scary, but we need to acknowledge that. If we don't acknowledge our feelings, then there's no way we can navigate it, navigate the space, the waters of misunderstanding. So figure out what you need to do to get the energy out of you. Like I mentioned, I journals, if you're a journaler, I highly encourage you to do this because it is like chef's kiss <laughs> helpful when you write down all the positive what ifs and all the negative what ifs. And you just let yourself be seen on paper, you to you, right? The other thing is maybe move around. If you need to go for a walk, do it. Take however long it takes. Take however many you possibly can, given your circumstances. What you're doing, again, when you're walking is affirming this energy doesn't need to be stuck in you. You're feeling some type of way. You don't really like it. But when you walk, you can bring a, a greater sense of calmness to your body. If you are like me, maybe take a cold shower. Or if you need a hot shower, a relaxing shower, again, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just giving you some advice, some ideas, and then you can go from there. I trust you. And then focus on your why. You know, 
in the face of being misunderstood, we can really lose sight of who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. Usually with a misunderstanding, people might be questioning our intentions and they might be questioning our why and who we are. And that's okay. Again, it's not anyone else's job to reinforce your why to you. You have to do it for yourself. You know, ultimately you're responsible for yourself. Like I'm responsible for myself, right? So there's a quote I want to end with, and it says, risk being misunderstood. It's usually worth it. And I think back to times that I've been misunderstood and it's so cliche, but was I upset? Yeah. After I learned that being misunderstood is just a part of life, I was able to navigate it so much easier. I was able to let it go instead of holding on to that old coping, which was to force myself to prove that I could be understood or accepted or whatever. And I hope that this helps you too. The What it's worth is that it's a peace of mind, right? That's, that's what I feel like it's worth anyway. Being misunderstood, if I'm putting myself out there and people aren't understanding me, it's okay. I'm risking getting to know myself. I'm risking experience. I'm risking self-exploration. And that to me is worth it because I'm defining myself day in and day out as I show up to do what I want to do. And at the end of the day, I get to affirm that I did my best despite being misunderstood. That again, that boost of confidence, that reinforcement of peace that I can bring it to myself, that is worth it and so much more. So I want to know what is it worth to you when you risk being misunderstood? What has that brought you? I'm really curious to know what you have experienced as well. So if you could leave a comment or find me on another platform and just drop it into the comment section for the post of this, that would be great. I'd really appreciate a conversation around this. Plus, you never know who you're going to inspire within the people that show up here. So I want to send you a lot of love and gratitude. Thank you again so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay.